abandoned dentist's office, an enamored couple are smuggled through a magic door into a Greek island. But what necessitates journeying into a different world, away from the natural existence, towards an indifferent, unknown territory? It is war. Nadia and Sayed want to live and love. The ravaging circumstances, harrowing conflict in the city is too much for them to bear. Leaving home behind is never easy. But what does one do when home becomes a battlefield? When we migrate, we murder from our lives those we leave behind. Mohsen Hamid in his novel Exit West excels in setting an imaginative world, perhaps much safer and promising, against an unsettling real world where surviving and its controlled severity elopes acceptance. But my world, which is strifed on, tired and weary, does not foresee any magic portal to ensure safety. In fiction, it's of course a safe heaven to write an alternative and construct a parallel world. The reality, however, stands scuffed. Dreamers dream endlessly, yet they are woken up amidst the fleeting sounds of blasts, day by day suffocated by the chemical air which suspends all their imaginations and escapisms. Would it be that one day, as my eyes opened with the rising dawn, placing my arms on the cool windowsills, white and perfumed, present a different world to me? Will there be trees, many trees in life swishing around fearlessly, one day? Zaraviyam khayali polav. Mama interrupts as I daydream. She's the one who was born to see her friends disappear in the early 90s. Today, I'm a married woman with two careless daughters. It's been ages, but my friends never were never really seen. My mother recalls as she sits poised. I'm glad to have no son, Babu. Otherwise, I would be on the streets, calling out his name, always after him. Mothers in Kashmir face war with brevity. They're not only mothers to the sons, but caring aunts to the nephews, who every day confirm their safety by calling them. Or plead the brothers and sister-in-laws to be careful of the conduct. Who are these militant mothers? As the political landscape unfurls in Kashmir, every year, newer comrades join the maddening crowd, delivering distasteful results. The saffronist men are seen flagellating the dominant discourses. Women in Kashmir posit antithetical sentiments. As they lay the prayer mat, their militant vigor, in spite against the occupation, helps them utter words as in prayers. These sentiments are pivotal to armless women who wage a war against the occupier through their heartfelt, honest, through their heartfelt, honest prayers. The weapons are the conversations with Allah, the all-knower. Their armor becomes the faith. No doubt, at a distance of few meters, I witness burqa-clad mothers with teary eyes, every day feeding the pigeons, their hands high in the air, palms symbiotically pleading the saints for the safety of their sons. Decades of conflict and sore occupation lessens the will to live. Dadwani Dadwan Shudzapur. My aunt says as she as she brings as she as she brings uh, home some pleasantries and gives me on block money on my graduation. Had it not been for these little celebrations, Babu, we would be dead long ago, Aunt says with a sigh. The intermittent celebrations of weddings, engagements, graduations, or fighting coronavirus gives impetus to resistance through shared smiles, sing songs, and memories. With memories, I recall what becomes of the day, what became of the day many years ago when I, with my now departed brother, walked for tuitions. 
His pale face was indicative of the fear and anxiety brimming within him. How much he hated exams. For me on the other hand, writing a home exam was much easier than a school exam, so happily I went. The bridge which walks you to Khan Kaimola that day was soot black and familiar to us both. Our hands intertwined, shivering, we faced an army forming array of disciplined weapons directed towards our tuition mates, shopkeepers and passers-by. Kneel down, hide, lay to the ground, don't you cry. What was happening outside my home? I could not make the least sense of it. I was fearful of death. I saw death that day. What brought us back to life was mama. Sighting her walk towards us was reviving. The events which followed 2008 and 2010 unveiled the curtains behind which hid the false ideologies which schools religiously taught us. With broken window panes, boys with broken knuckles, stone pelters accumulating every brick, carrying them in rags and later in the evening returning back home with injured faces, I knew in the heart of my heart the becoming of something monstrous. What becomes of a home? Home where we hide and invisibilize the conflict hovering outside, but returning back to normalcy through shared laughter and hugs is a well-revitched is well-revitched today. In 2018 when I didn't receive any phone call from my introspective parents, I drowned in a pool of fear. Why didn't they call back? The instincts are always heavy with horror. Every time a loved one does not return a call in Kashmir. Mama called that evening narrating every single detail as I stood frozen miles away from them. Abu was in masjid. The CRP of men angered by stone pelters wrecked havoc, broke windows and assaulted men. When your father walked back home and tried to open the gate, they caught hold of him, entered our home, checked every single room, bathrooms and the closets. A territory which you call yours, the walls of which know your conversations, your childhood scribbles. the bookshelves where in secret you enclose all the letters and poems the closet which hides your undergarments most cherished costumes all lay bare in front of the eyes of a stranger whose smell is too foreign yet he knows the key to your home what if you were here alone babu now grown accustomed to damaging home structures the army finds it brave while they attack the collective strength of a society by ravaging their personal spaces even a college for burning colonies The broken might as the inhabitants watch themselves cook the damaged utensils, collect the damaged utensils, spoiled and empty cookery. One of my friend recalls, they'd stolen the food from the pressure cooker of our neighbors while they cordoned off the area. What does a stolen nostalgia look like in conflict? The mess inside all of us is unsettling and invokes some retreat. But picnics are under surveillance. The cameras are all over. The bond is following you, vehicle. How you need to prove your identity before you finally enjoy the nature's ties. But walking a nostalgic road from your hometown can as well be therapeutic, even if downtown does not home many trees, but but the architectural marvels are enough to set one in a good mood. One such moment arrived when I stood in front of a bakery which harbored sweets, flavors, and fun. How I would waste time trying to figure out the treat for the day. Two years ago, the owner was killed along with two militants. The bakery was erased to dust. He left a six-month-old son behind and too many memories for me to cherish. Everything has changed now. Our childhood lived in these lanes, which now lives under surveillance. You cannot walk alone on the Fatehgadil Bridge today. As the evening settles, there are too many security men that it makes you feel insecure. Recalls my sister. The erasure of a certain landscape entrenched in our memories, coming in between our interactions with nature and trying to locate pieces of childhood which were set ablaze, is an unsettling marker of conflict. So, what has become of us now? Nothing but a walking memoir of conflict. Our bodies hide the injuries caused by the awakened collective conscience of a country, which erased too many sons of the soil. Our lives are intrinsically censored. Our language bottled down to a silencing halt, which is commanded and controlled. And what has become of our pregnant bellies? 
when the air is poisoned the food poisoned the water poisoned mothers listen to the radio playing bedimuthil shehlawe nabi there is no escape whatsoever